And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and joining me in the studio today is the Reverend Mark Diedrich, pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York. Good to be here. And Dr. Hans Vogt, associate professor, Ulster County Community College. Happy to be here. Well, gentlemen, uh, last week uh, we just barely got started and scratched the surface of a discussion about the origin of man. And uh, beyond that, even the origin of this this whole cosmos. And uh, we did a complete reading of Genesis chapter 1 without comment. And we just started working through and talking about some of the passages in chapter 1. And um, now we probably need to follow up that discussion this week with um, realizing and admitting that um, in the world as we interface with other people, talk with people, um, problems do occur as we uh, assert the creation account. Even within the um, Christian world, within Christian circles, there are various schools of thought, and uh, we're not afraid of going in any direction on this program, and just because we mention a particular school of thought doesn't mean that we necessarily embrace that school of thought, but uh, we would be doing a disservice uh, considering the nature of this program if we didn't honestly mention and bring to surface, bring to light various schools of thought. So uh, who would like to get us started today as we uh, broach this subject of a creation and uh, talk about that? Well, when you look at the um, whole issue, I think it's important to say that um, as Christians, the issue is not the authority of Scripture. Uh, as Christians, we agree on the authority of Scripture. Uh, the issue comes down to interpretation. Uh, how do we understand uh, what Genesis 1 uh, and 2 are, are teaching? Um, the American Scientific Affiliation, which is an organization of Christian scientists. Um, then that That's not the denomination <coughs> Christian science, is it? No, these are scientists who are Christians. <laughs> okay. And, um, and they come from a variety of perspectives on this. And a couple of years ago, they actually um, published, it was in August of 2000, a um, statement on creation, uh, both what they all agreed on and then some of the different uh, viewpoints here. What they all agreed on, of course, is that God is the creator of all things, that all things were created through the word, that God is both transcendent over creation and imminent in creation, that he continually upholds all of creation, that God is as active in natural events as in miraculous ones, um, that all creation um, is uh, you know, involved in, in terms of um, God's care, God's redemptive plan, uh, and, and human stewardship, the responsibility that God gave uh, to uh, humans through Adam and Eve to care for uh, creation. Where the disagreement come then is, okay, how do we understand how God did it? They, we, all, we all agree that God did it. We, we right. agree on the who, mm-hmm. now on the how. And basically, uh, among these scientists who are Christians, there are four perspectives. Hmm. One is young earth, or recent creation, which understands Genesis to teach that uh, the creation is of recent origin uh, between six and 10,000 years. Um, a second viewpoint is old earth or progressive creation, uh, understanding the universe to be roughly 20 billion years old and our planet to be about 4 billion years old. Um, 
and and usually reconciling that with Genesis through gap theory or day age. Um, third viewpoint is theistic evolution or continuous creation, uh, that God works through uh, the processes of uh, natural selection. Um, note that that changes what because Darwin's theory and and secular. Uh, evolutionists believe it's by random chance. Obviously, if you're a theistic evolutionist, it's not random chance. It's it's now God, hmm. uh, and under God's sovereign control. And then the fourth viewpoint is, uh, and the most recent one really is uh, the intelligent design viewpoint, um, which in some ways embraces the others. Um, you can be young Earth or old Earth and, and believe in intelligent design. But the mm-hmm. focus of intelligent design advocates, guys like William Dembski, Michael Behe, uh, is that uh, the universe, everywhere you look, in, in every branch of science you look, displays evidence of fine-tuning and planning and design, and that obviously and necessarily means there had to have been a designer. There had mm-hmm. to have been a creator. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's helpful. So those are the uh, categories, and um, Christians, um, I happen to be more of a young earth guy, but uh, Christians from all walks of life hold to these, and we do not want to demean our fellow Christians just because they are uh, um, a progressive type or an older earth type. Um, These are our fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord. Um, so, Mark, you had something to interrupt. Yeah, you. yeah. I was just going to say, when it comes to the exegesis of Genesis, you know, we're, we're kind of looking at, and the, and there are some hermeneutic, and uh, Hans had kind of alluded to some of these um, young Earth, old Earth, but you also have those that would say that there's a gap theory in there, but there's also a school of thought. Um, when you're looking at this, in all these cases, you're looking at the scripture as literal. But uh, there is also a, a school of thought that takes the Bible and says, well, no, look, this is a literary vehicle that mm-hmm. is being used. And because of that, there's nothing really literal in this creation narrative. And, and I want to point out, and that seems to be very attractive to a lot of people today. Mm-hmm. But from a, a hermeneutical standpoint, from just a, an exegetical standpoint, I think that last one is rubbish frankly. Hmm. It, this is not a literary device. This is historic. We mentioned last week about the genre of the text and concluded that this was historical, that God and, is telling us here what happened. It's not just yeah. a allegorical or right. some uh, literary vehicle, as you put it. Yeah, and, and then when you look at the other ones, some of the difficulties that we're dealing with with the Hebrew text is, first off, it's uh, more of a graphic language than say the Greek language is, which is, mm-hmm. the, the, the Greek language is a more of a literal language. You can parse things down real fine with the Greek language. The Hebrew language, you cannot. And hmm. one of the big areas where the debates come in, uh, where things fit, try to fit in, is when you, you look at that and and it says God created and, and it was evening and it was morning the first day. Well, what does that mean? Well, the Hebrew term for day is yom. And and the problem with Yom, and this is where there's the disagreement among, mm-hmm. among the, the new young agers and the old agers, is the old earth uh, look at Yom and say it's not talking about a literal 24-hour day. What it is talking about is an epoch or era. That is a legitimate translation. 
Mm-hmm. I don't think it's the best one. I happen to be a young earther, but it is a legitimate translation, and therefore, you know, I mean, that's why we need to show love to our brothers. They're yes, not trying to cop out. They're looking at that, and they're they're saying that it could be translated that way, and that is true. It could mm-hmm. be translated that way. As an old earther, I appreciate the... Uh Sympathy shown. <laughs> well, you're, you're the youngest one here. That's right. You're old. <laughs> hey, with that, we're going to take a quick break. I see we're up against the wall here. Uh, we'll be right back. You're listening today to A Plain Answer here on Redeemer Broadcasting. We're talking about origins. We're talking about creation. And we're starting to also start looking into the theory of evolution. And so stay with us. It's an interesting discussion today. We'll be right back after this short break. We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. In the studio with me today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich and Dr. Hans Vogt. We're talking today about uh, origins and creation in particular. Um, Gentlemen, when the mics were off here, briefly during the break, uh, we were talking about, a uh, Hans, you had mentioned, the false dichotomy that often exists uh, between science and faith. Could you uh, tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, Modern science, um, secular science, is based on a materialistic philosophy that automatically excludes the supernatural. In other words, uh, a secular scientist would say, you you can't talk about God. Um, You can only deal with the natural world. Mm -hmm. Uh, Stephen Jay Gould, the late Stephen Jay Gould, argued that science and faith occupy what he called non-overlapping magisteria. Hmm. Uh, This is what he said, the net of science covers the empirical universe while the net of religion extends over questions of moral meaning and value. Mm-hmm. So, and, uh, but this idea is a fundamentally flawed one, that there is some it dichotomy. Is. The reality mm-hmm. is that all truth is God's truth, uh, and that science uh, is a part of God's truth. Right. Going back to the Middle Ages, uh, Thomas Aquinas, one of the greatest minds the church has produced, talked about two books. He said, we have the book of nature, you know, what is revealed in the natural world, uh, what we study through science, and we have uh, the book of God, the Bible, the Holy Scripture. 
both books have the same author. Right. They cannot contradict one another. And so we need to understand the two in harmony. I like that point you make that all truth is God's truth. And, and before you spoke that, I had written a note to myself, all truth is God's truth, and there you are saying it. Um, I really believe that, and uh, we're not to be afraid of science. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're also to admit, I feel, that uh, there's a lot of faith uh, assumptions that are brought to the table um, by scientists and sometimes they don't want to admit that. Mark, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, one of the things that you see with that kind of thing is that they're looking at only what they can see, the natural phenomenon, and they'll study it. I believe it was uh, Richard Dawkins who basically said, when you start looking at a lot of the biological aspects of creation, he wouldn't say creation, of nature, he says, it's going to look like there is a designer (laughs) <laughs> and he says, basically, basically, he says, don't go there. Yeah, he doesn't want us to go there. You don't there. go there. You know, you, just, you, you cut a whole section of evidence out, basically. You were making me think back to, uh, <clears throat> you know, being in labs and also even in broadcasting, um, being in the technical realm. Um, from a, you know, a scientific point of view, um, there's some basic elements of the scientific process uh, we have to admit and not forget. Uh, one is observation, another one is repeatability, the ability to make measurements and make conclusions from those measurements, uh, the ability to, like I said, observation, to actually see what's happening. Uh, and then and then we um, possibly make an equation and we fit the data to, uh, we derive an equation that then we can predict from this equation, but at least we were there, we were able to make the measurement. In creation, in the beginning, in the in the origin, it's like a no-brainer, but we got to state it, we weren't there. Yeah, Nobody yeah. was there. Um, God is telling us here in Genesis 1, we read it completely last week, um, that in the very beginning, he creates the heavens and the earth. And um, in the very early point there, after he creates time, even time itself didn't exist, um, then he creates light. And, and so um, this is very valuable information, seeing that we weren't there. And so I just want to caution the listener, and caution us even, that when we talk about science, uh, the world will sometimes use science in a sloppy way. A science has to have these attributes or else it's really not science. Yeah, I think that's really important to understand. That's when you start talking about evolution and creation. The scientists turn around, and the evolutionists turn around, and, and basically say, I, "I hate to say the scientists, because even when Darwin came out with his theory, the biggest opponents of Darwin were not church people; they were other scientists." And very much that's the same today. Uh, you have a lot of people who are, are opposing them who are not necessarily um, church people at all. Mm-hmm. Michael Denton, who is probably an agnostic. Michael Behu, who is a Roman Catholic, but it certainly didn't start on his intelligent design theory from his Roman Catholicism, but gathered it through his scientific evidence as he was uh, teaching at, at Lehigh University. Anyhow, you have this kind of thing where, you know, yes, we cannot prove creation, but also evolutionists really cannot prove evolution either, therefore, I'm reluctant to even call it a theory, because a theory hmm. is, is verifiable or falsifiable in one way or the other. So I think what you're saying, 
Oh, I'm sorry, I interrupted yeah, you. Yeah, but I'm just saying it's more of a model. You know, we have a creation mm-hmm. model. They have a a uh, evolution model, and and here again, we need to redefine that. But that's probably for another. Well, we spoke show. last <laughs> week. Uh, we were sharing our own personal backgrounds, and we mentioned that we bring stuff to the table. Mm. We bring what the theologian and uh, philosophers would call presuppositions to the table. And so we, we view life through that grid work. And we need to be honest with each other. Our backgrounds do um, do mold us and, and affect how we see things. And so the evolutionist, I think it's safe to say, brings a faith commitment to the table. Now, it's not the Christian faith, um, you know, the atheist I'm talking about here. It's not the Christian faith, but it's some kind of a religion. It's some kind of faith. Absolutely. Harvard genetics professor uh, Richard Lowenton um, said, the problem is to get people to reject irrational and supernatural explanations of the world, the demons that exist only in their imaginations, and to accept a social and intellectual apparatus, Hmm. science, as the only begetter of truth. So, what's really at stake here is, uh, it's a worldview, it's an epistemological claim yeah. that science is the only source of truth. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. what, as Christians, we, we can't accept that. Um, yeah. um, we, we go back to the idea that science is a source of truth, yes, but scripture is also uh, uh, truth, and, and, and that God, of course, is the ultimate source of truth. Yeah, since God is the original bringer forth, I think uh, yeah. he gets the high priority here. Mark, you had something yeah, to say. Yeah, I was going to say, this is why uh, when Hodge wrote in, in 1874, and he was contemporary with what was going on with Darwin at the time, he wrote a book entitled, What is Darwinism? And when he gets to it, he gets right to the very last conclusion. He says, what is Darwinism? It is atheism. Mm-hmm. This does not mean, as before said, that Mr. Darwin himself and all who adopt his views are atheists, but it means that the theory is atheistic. In other words, there is a belief sense in here that excludes God from any possibility in the development of life. Hmm. And as we said, that is a faith statement. Hmm. That is not a verifiable statement. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, a modern-day physicist, Steven Weinberg, said, One of the great achievements of science has been, if not to make it impossible for an intelligent person to be religious, then at least to make it possible for them not to be religious. Hmm. Uh, in other words, and, and it's, uh, you know, others have, have stated it more succinctly, that, that essentially Darwin made it... Um, intellectually respectable to be an atheist. Mm. Um, This is well understood in the scientific community. And part of the reason for the hostile reaction to any attempt to discuss intelligent design or anything that might suggest uh, a creator or God is that um, the minute you do that, then, you know, atheism's on the table. uh, Mm -hmm. And and they don't want to give that up. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, we're talking today about uh, origins and creation, and uh, this is a plain answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. You know, my heart goes out to uh, young people, gentlemen. Um, I know, for me personally, growing up in a Christian home, um, it was very hard as I attended the public schools. Uh, There was no support 
<laughs> there was no support in those early days, <laughs> talking back in the 60s and 70s here. Um, no encouragement at all. Uh, the teachers, at least that I had, were evolutionists. They were not creationists. And um, the feeling was that, the feeling as a young person is that I was mocked, right? And, it, and it's very difficult for young people. Um, I think that it's helpful to, to remember our Creator, as, as the writer to Ecclesiastes puts it, in the days of our youth. And uh, I wanted to just um, briefly look, I know we don't have a lot of time left to our discussion here today, just briefly think about what does Ecclesiastes advise us? Um, you know, the other day we were talking about Ecclesiastes, and it has a particular genre also. Mark, what was the genre of Ecclesiastes again? Well, it, it's uh, also a poetic wisdom literature. Yeah, okay. And so um, I'm thinking in particular about uh, Ecclesiastes 12 here, where it says, uh, Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth, uh, before the difficult days come and the years draw near, when you say, I have no pleasure in them. And so uh, the author here is going to start talking about some of the things that you feel and experience as an older person, as a senior, as our bodies start to break down. And uh, stay with me, because this will tie in at the end. He goes on, he says, While the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are not darkened, and the clouds do not return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble, you know, you think about an elderly person starting to tremble. The strong men bow low, you know, the hunched back. It's not a pretty picture. It's sad, really. When the grinders cease, you know, we lose our teeth <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, because they are few. Those that look through the windows grow dim. I can't see very well anymore, you know. When the doors are shut in the streets and the sound of grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of the bird, can't sleep too well at night, all the daughters of music are brought low. Afraid of the night tears the way when the almond tree blossoms. You know, your hair starts to turn gray and then and then white, um, etc. The desire fails, for man goes to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. Remember your Creator before the silver cord is loosed, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the well. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. And, um, you know, I often think about this when I go to, frankly, a a funeral home. You know, a loved one is passed. You know, there we have the smell of the flowers in the air, the quiet tones, the music. A guest book is open. People are filing by, extending their condolences. You know, that scene really brings a sense of clarity in your thinking in terms of the brevity of life and the fact that there has been a transition. Where has that person gone? Oh, I see. If he's a Christian, he's gone back. He's with the Lord. He or she is with the Lord. Who is that? That is Creator God, the God who brought forth the original, uh, the one who ex nihilo, out of nothing, spoke, and this whole world came into existence. He's the one we're talking about today. And um, I, I really love this Ecclesiastes passage. It kind of kind of brings some reality uh, to my mind. Yeah, it does. It really focuses on who we are and the real essence of our being. Otherwise, all we are is just a collection of molecules with no meaning at all. Yeah. Well, 
At the risk of uh, taking a lot of time there, I wanted to share that. Today we're talking about creation and how we got here, the origin of mankind. Uh, Gentlemen, just some quick wrap-up thoughts. I see we're out of time already. Uh, What would you like to leave with the listener today? I think that from a Christian perspective, um, we need to remember that uh, the question of of who uh, has created the universe, uh, that's clearly answered uh, in Scripture that it's God. Um, there's room for disagreement about the how uh, and the time periods and, and, and young and old earth and so forth. Um, but there should be also uh, humbleness in the debate. Um, you know, at the end of Job, when God finally speaks after all this back and forth between Job and his friends, God fires a series of questions hmm. at Job, asking him basically, tell me how I created the world. Mm-hmm. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? On what were its footings set? Who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. And he goes on for s- several chapters of these questions. And, you know, at the end, Job apologizes. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're all in the position of Job. Yeah. Even the, the most learned scientist... Uh, does not understand, you know, the thousandth part of how God did it and how it all puts together. And so humility in approaching this topic, I think, uh, would do credit to us all. Yeah, good summary. Mark? Yeah, I think of this, you know, here it is, God who is the creator. I cannot help but think of Psalm 90. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Mm. Before the mountains were born, or thou didst give birth to the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting Thou art God. Thou dost turn men back to dust and dost say, Return, O children of men. You know, and he goes on, talks about how we just come and go. But then he also talks about God's anger. And yet also, then we cannot help but think of God's redemption. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, we are created by God, but we're also redeemed by Him through Jesus Christ. And Uh, That's where fulfillment in life is. Amen. Well, we're out of time. Thank you, gentlemen. It's been a distinct pleasure having you both here in the studio with us. This is A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. In the studio with me today has been the Reverend Mark Diedrich, pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York, and Dr. Hans Vogt, associate professor, Ulster County Community College. Plain Answer samples are available on our website. Just go to Programming and MP3 samples. Those are free downloads. Please join us again next week at the same time for another edition of A Plain Answer. <laughs>